Okay. So let's go through real quick. I'll read through it like we usually start off. Um, hopefully you remember verses 28, 29, and 30, but we'll touch on those a uh, couple times today again. Um, big verses, very, very important. And now we're getting into some questions here. Um, so, as it reads in verse 31, chapter 8, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who is the one who justifies? God, sorry, God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all the day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Bless you. All right, so the first thing we're going to look at is these seven rhetorical questions. So, um, let's point them out as a class together, and, and you can write down notes on them, or you can write down the, the question yourself. I got seven items there for you to, to play with on your sheet. So where's the first question? Pretty simple. Start at 31, right? What shall we say to these things? What things is he asking about? Yep. Um, we see so many times in the Bible where the word therefore or so then is used, and um, it's just referring back to what we were discussing, what we read through, what the author was writing. So um, looking back in verse 28, 29, 30, those apply directly, but also the chapter, um, the wonderful chapter of Romans 8. Romans 8, 1 starts starts with uh, such a wonderful verse that we're all very, very thankful for. And then the whole book of Romans as well. But specifically, um, we want to look back at 28, 29, and 30. Okay, where's the next question? Just same verse, right? Yep. Yeah. God is for us, who is against us. Okay, so if we're putting those two questions from that one verse um, together, um, and we're really, really, Paul's really pointing down to these three verses just right prior to this, okay? So let's stop real quick and read through this again. Uh, somebody want to read 28, 29, and 30 for us? Out loud to the class. Right. So that's the reason why these first two are rhetorical questions, because we just went through that, and we went through it so slow, it seems like it's been a while that we've been on these, these passages, um, which is good. We want to stop and take that time to do that, but also um, 
it's it's a rhetorical question because as you read through it as a normal reader would uh, you get right to that so that that's why um, that's one of and two of those rhetorical questions <laughs> need to shut that one go for it go for it okay where's the next question at um, next verse obviously he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. Okay, then here's the question. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? So why is that a rhetorical question? What do you guys think? So where he's asking, how, how will he not also with him give us all things? We'll touch on the all things in a while, but if God is willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, the, the ultimate sacrifice to earth to live perfectly and then be crucified, the worst death possible for us, will he not also give us smaller things that we need through Christ, through him who he sent for us? Yeah, absolutely. Everything is smaller. Okay, so there's more questions to that question, but we'll dig through that in a little bit. So let's keep going. Next question. On your list here, who will bring a charge against... What does it say? God's elect. Okay. Why would that be rhetorical? Go for it. What's your question? Um, you're asking a question that uh, makes, that the answer is already, it's known. Right? Like, you ask a question knowing what the answer is, but making the readers think. Like, yes. Yeah, it's making a point. And, um, but sometimes we haven't slowed down enough to stop and think about these things. So Paul's being an awesome teacher here. And after going through all the book of Romans so far, we're at this verse now. Um, and these questions that he's wanting the, re the, the readers of this letter to stop and think. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Because there's different, and different ways to teach, different types of teaching that are useful. Um, Mark and I use a couple different ways as we are teaching through this class. Um, sometimes it's more lecture style where we're getting up here and we're just um, explaining everything like we would in a, in a textbook and going through it and um, giving you all the information that you need to know. But there's usually not a lot of time for questions or question and answer. Maybe it's at the end. Um, but that's, that's more lecture style of questions, uh, of teaching. And um, it's good and it's helpful to get all the information to someone um, that doesn't always work when it comes to understanding. 
And uh, Paul, Paul's very well educated, um, very smart individual who's lived his whole life uh, as a Pharisee and has, has learned and studied together with the best of the best and called himself one of the best. And he did um, quite a bit of lecturing himself through here, but he's stopping now to ask these, these rhetorical questions to make um, this church in Rome stop and think through everything that he just went through with them. Okay, well, this one's rhetorical because he answers it right after that. God is the one who justifies, right? Okay, the next one, who is the one who condemns? goes on to say, Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So Christ is the one that would condemn, but these are his people, and he paid for his people with his blood. Not his own. not those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? Verse 1, chapter 8. The verse that we can take a huge breath with after we've read through 1 through the end of 7, where there's so much sin and so much darkness and there's so much just flesh in us even as believers, even as new believers. And Paul explains that through seven. He does what he doesn't want to do and he thinks what he wants to do and he does the opposite. And, and he realizes it's not him doing it anymore because the spirit of Christ lives in him, but his flesh is doing it and sin is doing it in him through his flesh. And he's fighting that battle. And if he's fighting that battle, we know we will fight that battle, but we will not be condemned in Christ. We are freed from that by the purchase of his blood. He spilled his blood. Okay. Next question then. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? And that's a great question. That is verse 35 now. We're coming through this. Okay, so who will separate us? We just went over all these other rhetorical questions. Good morning. Okay, so this question is, is rhetorical because it's pointing back to the first five questions that we just looked at and answered. It's pointing back to, to all these people... Uh, and personalities that we might think could separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, but it's rhetorical because we, uh, we know that the answer is none. But Paul's addressing that through these questions. So up to 35 where he asked that, we're, we're looking back at the who. And you see... In verse 31, where it starts, 
what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who, who is against us? Right? And how would he not give us all things? Who will bring charges against God's elect? Who is the one who condemns? Okay, so you see the who pointing back, right? Okay, good. And then the next question is part of 35 as well. And this one looks forward uh, to, to things, right? Will tribulation, will distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword... So that's, that's rhetorical as well because of what we went through in verses 28, 29, 30, and before that. But it's pointing back to what Paul has just taught the church and what they went over and went through. And it's, it's a lot, right? It's a ton of understanding that we don't get the first time we, we look at it and read through it. It's, it's uplifting, and it's, it feels really good to read that. It's a promise of God. Um, but the, the slower we, we go through it and sift through it and try and find the biblical truth in it, the heavier it gets and the more questions we have when it comes to words like foreknowledge and predestination. Those are big, big heavy words that um, can be easily misused and misconstrued. And, and we just want to stop and look at those as biblically as we can. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 8, mountaintop, right? We're at the, the peak of this mountain. Um, and that's why we slowed down. Because we had to be really careful going over the top of that mountain. And to make sure that we understood it. But, but chapter 8 is, is just... So wonderful for those who are in Christ and those promises that are there. But these questions are rhetorical questions because they're, they're wanting to point out for all believers who, um, who are in Christ what, what's going to pull them apart from him, who's going to condemn them, who's going to call them out, uh, who's going to bring a charge against them. Will God not give them uh, things freely through Christ? This stuff. Yes, thank you, Joseph. So that was my next question, is what's the purpose of these, these questions? And that's part of the answer, so thank you. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I wrote down, it's proving the eternal security for you as God's elect. So if you had conceptions before reading through Romans that God is someone else, something else, that um, you can be saved and then you can lose salvation, that something can end your relationship with Christ. Paul's using this part of chapter 8 to prove to you that that's not possible, to show you that to take that preconception that you had in your head 
No matter what background you came from, what ethnicity you were, what religious group or sect you were in before you were saved and in Christ, he's dissolving that. So he's using these questions to stop after, after the heavy lifting in chapter 8 that we went through and to make you slow down and think through that. Correct. You cannot lose salvation. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yep, exactly. So, so God, if we back up um, to, to verse 29, we went through this a couple weeks ago, but it says, for those whom he foreknew, and as we studied through the word foreknew and took time to slow down and look at how that was used biblically and what, what that means and look at other scripture to, to provide substance for that, to provide a rock to stand on. We, we see that God knew those, us, before the creation of this world. We weren't existent, but he knew us. And he predestined us to this life, right? And he knew exactly when we would be saved and salvation is a work or a gift? And why is it a gift? Because we don't work for it. So if you work for something, what do you get for that? Payment, right? So if we are earning our salvation, is that a work of God or a work of ourselves? Work of ourselves. So if we earned it, can we lose it? If we earned it ourselves? Yes, we could, but we didn't. He loved us when? And were we sinners or were we righteous when he loved us? We were wretched sinners, and we still are. And he loves, he loves us, and he gave his people that free gift of salvation without any work of ourselves. And because it's his work and because God is holy and perfect and pure and the perfect judge, it can never be taken away because who's going to take that away from God? No one. No one has that power. Okay. So the next part of our handout here, identify who the us is in these verses. Now, we've already talked about this a lot um, in this class right now. We've talked about it a whole lot in the past classes. But let's make sure we're all on the same page. If you write in your Bibles, I would like you to circle the word us in verses 31 through 37. And if you don't write in your Bible, that's okay. Just identify where they're at. Take a minute. Look through 31 through 37. I, I definitely write up in my Bible. I got highlights and underlines and circles and all kinds of fun stuff to bring my attention to it. But if you don't, that, that's all right as well. It just helps me focus on what, what I'm studying. 
Okay, so the first one start in 31. And I, I, I teach and study out of the NASB. So um, I'm assuming these will be very similar in all the translations, but they may or may be a little different. So if they're a little different, just bear with me or let me know. Um, if God is for us, who is against us? Okay, so the, the us right there, we're again looking in the first part of verse 31. What shall we say to these things? Okay, so we're looking back to the past previous verses. Um, and that us uh, was some of those words I highlighted and underlined were, were the foreknew, predestined, um, called, justified, glorified. Okay, and 32, so you got a couple us's in 31, and 32, um, a couple more us's for us all. And at the end of the verse, us all things. So when it says in verse 32, he but delivered him over for us all. My question real quick, and that would be, is that saying Christ died for all people? Everyone in the entire existence of the world? So... So as we're looking, as we're looking at this one, um, bless you. The us all is referring to which us? The ones who believe. Right. Would that be back in verse thirty? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So in this context, the us all is referring to just God's elect. Right? And we can point to the next verse to be sure of it. Verse 33. Doesn't say us, but it says God's elect. That narrowly defines the us in this context. Okay. So we know that in what Paul's writing right now, as you said, to the church of Rome, to the saints, to the believers, this us, us all is God's elect. Okay. Now let's jump to verse 34. Christ intercedes for all of humanity. Does Christ intercede for all of humanity? Yeah, this is good. This is good. Okay, so we want to make sure we understand what does intercede mean? What is, what is Christ doing in heaven? 
What does intercede mean? Yeah. Right. Right. So, so Christ, he, he spilled his blood, right? He, he spilled his blood for those that will be saved. And what, what did that do? That it paid a price for those believers and he paid for those whom will be saved. Right. So as he's in heaven, sitting on the throne, he is defending his own against condemnation, against charges, against anything, because his righteousness was propitiated from himself to us, right? He's our defense attorney. He is our defense attorney, because when we are put on the stand, who is put on the stand? Christ is put on the stand, right? So he's defending us because his blood is perfect and pure and righteous. So he's interceding for the us. And the same us he's talking about now is the same us we've identified in the past couple verses. That us hasn't changed. Is he doing that for unbelievers? Is he defending them at the throne of God? It does. But in what context is that in? Interceding for everyone, even those that are non-believers yet. So that, to me, that tells me that he's interceding for everyone, giving us the opportunity to come to him. But he's, he's, he's actually died on the cross for all of us. So if... If he's waiting on us to come to him, when are we going to make that choice? That's where the free will of, a, of mankind comes in. If a man chooses not to, then he doesn't know him. But he gives him the opportunity to. So if we have the opportunity and the free will to choose Christ, how does this verse play out? There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understand. There is none who seek for God. How do we seek for God? On our own. That's part of sin. If we're, that we're all born into. If we're given this opportunity to choose on our very own, it's to choose. How can we choose if we are not seeking God, if we are completely unrighteous? That's when we have someone intercede for him to bring us to Christ. So would you say that person would be foreknown? Yes. Okay. 
So that person would be predestined from before all time to be God's elect. I'd have to say yes. Right. I'd have to say yes, too, according to biblical understanding, I would. Absolutely. Could they, could they do it on their own? No, God would have to intercede. God would have to for them and not us? God. Because they're pagans in another country living a, a life under whatever? I mean, I mean, if you're his child, he would bring the gospel to you. But I, I don't, I'm not certain that it's true. I mean, because I read these stories from the Christian Missionary Alliance and one of the questions that the tribal people had in the 1920s in Africa was, of the missionary was, why did you wait so long? My people have been waiting to hear this. So, so you don't think which part's true because of that? That, that God foreknew them? Or are we talking about that God doesn't save them in time? And who are not? Mm -hmm. The gods and the world and all these people that are not. Yeah. yeah. One sec. Um, I don't know your name, young man, but thanks for sharing that. Um, Thank you. So we, we spent most of the class Last class, understanding total depravity. So all of you that weren't here, you should uh, look that up online because it was really good. Mark did a good job. It wasn't me. It wouldn't have been that good if it was me. <laughs> um, but we spent the majority of understanding total depravity to understand the uh, verse 30, right? So we have to understand total depravity to understand uh, those verses. And it, it really helps to slow down and go through that. So thanks for bringing that up. And if we look at, for your question, real quick, before we keep moving on, um, some of your concern, Romans chapter 2, um, verses 14, I'll start there in 15. For when Gentiles, that'd be anyone who wasn't a Jew, who do not have the law, do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law, are a law to themselves and that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ 
Jesus. So that answers the question as to if people are held accountable for not having been shared the gospel. And Paul addressed that at the beginning, right after chapter 1, which um, dealt with very crazy living. Okay, Lizzie. Still remember? We'll discuss that later, okay? I got a lot to go over still. We got 15 minutes left, but thank you. And please join all of our classes and your understanding will deepen a lot, okay? All right, I'm gonna move on. I know there's lots of questions here. Freely giving us all things. Verse 32, we need to address that. He, uh, sorry, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Question mark. Is this the prosperity gospel? No. And why not? That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yes, thank you. We can't skip the part of the passage that says, with him, freely give. Right? We can't forget that part. That's really important. Because if you back up a little bit to verses 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good. Okay? Um, so it's through Christ uh, also, these all things are closely linked, um, not just to what he's talking about in verse 28, which let's look at that one more time. All things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And then er, stop and jump over to, to verse 35, where it says, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword Sword is martyrdom, killed for the name of Christ. So it can't be prosperity gospel because, yes, it is very, very biblical to understand being a Christian comes with suffering in many, many ways, and we don't experience a lot of that in this country or in this state, um, but we can, and we need to understand what the Bible says so that we're ready for it, and that we understand these things will be for the good, and, and God will give us all these things through him. And it's sanctifying for us, right? Whatever is not in us, in our body, in our flesh, and in our mind that's in the image of Christ, he's chipping that away. He's chipping it away. We see that also in verse 29 where he's talking about 
predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. We're being conformed to Christ. We are daily living for him, so each day we look more and more like him and we'll be perfected in death with him. Okay, so verse 35 does make it very clear that we will live through much suffering. So this all things is not money and wealth and prosperity and just happy, 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 happiness. Because that stuff doesn't make happy, 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 happiness, right? We're here to be joyful. And we can be joyful through all those things listed. Yeah, wasn't it Peter somewhere where it said, like, all those who live godly such as persecution and have tribulation or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's a good yeah, makes you question sometimes if we're godly because it's like, where's that in my life? Right? In this country, in this state, it's pretty easy going. Yeah. It's, it's America, so it's like, <laughs> but that could change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we need to be ready for that. Okay. Verse 34. The Lamb of God lives to intercede for us. Okay. We touched on this a little bit already. But it's he who died, rather, who was raised. So, yes, he died. And that had to happen. And that was very important. But Paul stops and says, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God. So it didn't end there. And it never ends there. And it can't end there for the Christian. And that is the glorious, glorious thing we have in the faith given to us by God is that our Messiah is alive. He's risen His resurrection is proof of the full payment. The full payment required by God through the sacrificial system that was required to wash away sin. Jesus is seated at the highest position of power in all existence. King of kings, Lord of lords. He's sitting on the throne in heaven interceding for you and your sins and me and my sins and those who aren't saved yet that will be saved. He hasn't... They haven't received salvation yet, right? But that price was paid and they're predestined to come to that moment in their life. Like God used me through my life and my sin and the things that I did and the amount of time I spent doing this And I couldn't resist him in bringing myself to him. How did you come to know Christ? Through hearing the word of Christ. From who? Preached. Well. And when? I don't know the when exactly. See? I don't. You're predestined to, and someone had to plant the seed. Yeah. And they introduced you to Christ Jesus. Absolutely, Yes. And that seed was planted when I was young in a, in a church. When we're born. No. So somewhere between there and now, someone had to bring us to know Christ. Someone had to plant the seed. It's, it's like a person in New Guinea. So, wait, wait. I have never seen a human being other than their family 
How does he come to know Christ? Someone has to come and tell him of that. I would say someone will. I will not say someone has to. The rocks will cry out in the gospel if, of Jesus Christ if it has to happen that way. Comes, how will he know? God will do it. He will send someone to tell him. And he will. But it's not through us that it does it. It's through him because he predestined that time already. Someone had to introduce us to the thought that God is our Lord and Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Why would he use people to do that? Why would what? Why would God use people to do it? To bring us to Him. Why? Why would He use people? Ask God why. No, I know why, because it's in the well, Bible. God says so. No, because He says He uses the dumb things of the earth to bring down the wise. So He 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 did that with me, right? And He does it with all of us. I have a guardian angel, my Aunt Laverne, who's ninety-nine this next month. I didn't know a thing of our Lord and Savior, I knew of God, but I didn't know of anything else. She brought me to know Christ. I, that, that's great. But if you don't share the gospel with this neighbor right here next to us, is he going to hell 100% for sure if you don't go do it right now? No. Why not? Someone else might. But you're supposed to. Someone else is. But you're supposed to. Go ahead. It's interesting back to Romans 1.20. It says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. He will use people, and he does because that is what he wants to do. But if people refuse to, the rocks will cry out the gospel of Christ. And that's biblical as well. I mean, just by creation, you have to wonder. People have to wonder how we got here. I mean, thoughts happen. Yeah. Too. And I'm not saying that people don't spread the word. Right. No, we are called to. That's our job. We are supposed to. We are supposed to. But we are predestined. So God already set up when and how that will happen. How is Abraham called? Was it through people? Was Abraham called through people? And I believe you, and I agree with you. But there is a difference in the technicality that we're talking through. And it's important that, that we do talk through it. Until that time, I haven't talked to anybody. Talk to me about Christ and, and him dying on the cross for me. And he used her. I still use her. Right. I'm going to see her at the 10th of June. <laughs> Well, God's saints are here to do his work. Right? I still think that he died. God loved the earth to give his only son. The world. I shouldn't say earth, but okay. the world is earth. So all people are going to go to heaven. He died for everyone. So we don't have to repent of our sins. Oh, yes, you do. We don't have to have faith. Oh, yes, you do. Well, then he died for who? To give us the chance to. So we have we have the option to say yes or no. That's correct. And then if we say no, God has to turn around and go a different direction. God says, I don't know you. Did he know us before? Sure he 
never knew us before, but we chose not to know him, so he gives up. Okay, we might have to talk more about that later. I would appreciate talking more about it. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll keep going. The Lamb of God. Oh, we were there. Lives to intercede for us. Okay. Uh, my last note was he continually serves his own in a sacrificial manner to preserve his elect. So he is the God and the King of all eternity who became a man lived in the flesh and died for us and rose from the grave and is alive, seated on the throne in heaven, and he takes his time interceding for you and I and his people, his elect. He's sacrificially serving us still. Think about that as you find it hard to remember him throughout your day. Was not the Lamb of God Jesus Christ? That is that a rhetorical question? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let me give you your blanks here. Uh, is separation possible for the elect? When the world faces tribulation, it will lead to distress. Or pressure. Distress, pressure, same thing. To conform to the world's new standards. Hmm, sounds familiar. And when conformity doesn't happen, persecution will begin. And persecution will lead to famine, which is hunger. Which leads to nakedness. Which means unable to obtain the basic necessities of life. And that leads to peril, which means life-threatening conditions, and eventually martyrdom for the Christian. So Paul didn't just throw these out there and put these in any order. He thought, whatever, it didn't make sense. No, he put this in specific order. Look at verse 35. Will tribulation... Crazy things happening in the world, or distress, or persecution. This starts with the tribulation, puts on the pressure, which leads to persecution. Persecution can lead to famine, which can lead to the nakedness, not having the things we need in life to just live normally. Food, shelter, bread, water. That can lead to peril, which is life-threatening conditions, or sword. We can be literally killed for our faith. Can those things separate us from the love of Christ? No, no. Absolutely not. To, because not being alive here means what? <laughs> yeah. You're where you should desire to be right now, with Christ. You're with Him in heaven. Okay. So in verse 36, Paul writes, just as it is written. Where does this come from? Oh, I have it on your paper so you can cheat. For your sake, we are being put to death all day long. For we consider we were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. This we is in concurrence with the us. The us is those whom are God's elect which means those are the ones who he foreknew, who were predestined, who were called, who were justified. 
Okay. Sheep are helpless. Sheep just do whatever they're told. Sheep don't have a whole lot of free will. What? <laughs> yes. Sheep are dumb. Um, So if we, are, if we are part of God's perfect and holy will, and He will do as He pleases, and we know that we may face these warnings in the Bible that we just talked about, that we can easily be led as sheep into any of those things and forced to go through them for His sake, though, right? It glorifies Him. Because what's the difference between one suffering through tribulation, persecution, famine, and peril for the unbeliever and the unbeliever, or the unbeliever and the believer? Should, should they look exactly alike and, and live life the same way and express their sorrow and grief in the same way? What doesn't the unbeliever have? No hope. No hope. No hope in what's to come next. No excitement about being with Christ in heaven. There's no hope for that. So yes, we can be led as sheep to a slaughter, knowing that Christ has already paid for us. He spilled his blood for us. He's interceding for us in heaven. Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. And he has already predestined that day that you and I will be there with him, worshiping at his feet. So it's not a bad thing. And then 37, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. What, what great reassurance that we have there. All these things refer to the all things we discussed in verse 32, where it says, he, will he not freely give us all things? Remember, all things, all things. We've heard about all things in verse 28. All things. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. But in all these things, it's the same things. We overwhelmingly conquer. God foreknown, God's foreknown, God's people that were foreknown don't just make it through by the skin of their teeth Right? No, we conquer these things because he conquered death. Praise to God. And it no longer has power over us. He conquered it. He extinguished that. He is raised, and we will be raised with him in these heavenly places. And then you have to, you have to recognize the word loved in past tense. Because it's not new. He loved us when he foreknew us. And when he foreknew us, he predestined us. He called, he justified, he glorified. This is the golden chain of salvation. Okay. So again, halfway through the book of Romans. We got a couple verses to finish up next week. Paul 
has put us through a lot so far understanding where we sit in the kingdom of God and how we get there. It's all in the book of Romans, right? We use the rest of Scripture to interpret Scripture so we make sure we can understand it as best that we can in the language that we have it and the year that we have it. But it's all here. So any former thoughts they had, the church of Rome, think what thoughts they were going through, right? They had religious ordeals before this. They had beliefs. Some were Jews, a lot weren't. Paul's needing to address it to them now in their time. This letter was to them. And thank God we can apply it to us right now as well too. But those former thoughts that they had and that you have before you came to learn from God's holy and perfect and inerrant word must be put aside so that we can move forward in our sanctification by submitting to God's word. We have to. We have to submit to it. And it's not what I say. It's what his word says. And again, it's, it's hard to jump into this class just today for the first time for a lot of you, and you probably won't be back, but it's hard to jump in and have a lot of questions that aren't answered right now. And I get that. But we've spent seven, eight months, somewhere around there, going through the Book of Romans so far to explain all this, to get to this point. So if there's more questions to be had, all of these sessions have been recorded, and we do have them online, and we can show those to you. We also have um, copies of pretty much every one of these handouts that we want everyone to have that'll be here in the upcoming weeks. Um, we have a whole binder. I'm keeping mine together. Well, wait past time. But we gave you all these that started this class with us, the binders to keep them in order. We want you to have that. We're going to do a review after next week. Um, Mark put together the list he mentioned of the classes and who taught them and what dates they were. So if you're missing these and you want these for a review that we'll have, just uh, come put your name next to any of these and we'll make sure to print those out. And for a couple of you need the whole book, we can put that together. Okay? So I went way over, but this was a lot of fun. So thank you guys for your participation and let me close in prayer real quick. Lord God, thank you for this time. I wish we had more, but um, you've ordained it. And we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your saints and these people here that want to discuss your word in detail. I praise your name, Lord, in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everyone.